Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. <clears throat> we thank you for your holy presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to, in this moment... Hold on real quick. Recording in progress. I want to, in this moment, just get into prayer. I already feel the presence of the Lord in our meeting. <clears throat> so I want to ask that we come before His Holy Presence and before the throne of grace and that we would ask that God would join in our meeting and that He would bless um, this time and that He would speak to us and that He would um, liberate us from anything that the devil has been attempting to enact in our lives, to bring about in our lives. And um, so let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we ask God right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we know that your presence is already with us, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your peace. I thank you, Lord, for your joy. I thank you, God, for the wonderful blessings, Lord God, that you um, have bestowed upon us already, Lord. I ask God that you would come in a powerful way, that you would come in a mighty way. Lord, I pray that you would give me the power and the anointing to proclaim your word with clarity and to proclaim it, Lord, <clears throat> with um, power, Lord, with uh, gentleness, with kindness, Lord, but also with directness and, and, um, and in truth, Lord God. I pray, Father, right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, that you would contradict the lies of the devil. I pray, Lord God, that whatever the, the enemy has attempted to uh, destroy in our lives, to steal in our lives, to rob from our lives, Lord, I pray that you would just expose his lies right now. Lord, I pray that whatever the enemy has meant for evil, Lord, that you would mean it for good. God, I pray that you would bring uh, <clears throat> uh, renewal. I pray that you bring restoration. I pray, Lord God, that the spirit of heaviness and the spirit of anxiety and the spirit of <coughs> depression would leave, Lord God, and that joy would pervade in this place, that your presence would pervade in this place, that your name would have preeminence, <coughs> that your name would be exalted, that you would be glorified in our meeting, Lord God, that no one, no, no thing would be glorified except yourself. Father, I pray that you would break bondages, that you would break yokes. Lord God, I pray right now that you would restore the fortunes, Lord. You would restore everything, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray that, that those that are suffering, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would impart grace to them, Lord, that you would impart your power, I pray that you would bring clarity to our lives, that you would bring direction to our lives. Father, those that are sinking down in hopelessness, Father, I pray that you would lift up, God. I pray, Lord, that you would lift them up out of the miry clay, like David said, that you place my feet on a rock to stay, Lord. I pray that if they have been constricted by the enemy, Lord, that you would place them in a spacious place. God, I pray for... Uh, your prophetic unction, Lord God. Lord, that it would be obviously clear that you have spoken to them, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. <clears throat> amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love <clears throat> I love that I feel the Lord even bef even before I began praying. Um that's why I like starting with worship to help foster an atmosphere of reverence uh before the Lord. I love what that song was saying, Yo tengo hambre de ti. Lord, I, I, I hunger for you. I hunger for your presence. I hunger for your personhood. I hunger for who you are. I long for intimacy with the living God. I long just to be with you. I long just to abide and to dwell in your presence. I trust that is the reflection of our, the values of our hearts. Because we can do many things, but if we're not intimate with the Lord, and we don't rejoice in His presence, then we're going to be living a very defeated life. Because it's in His presence that we mount up with wings of eagles and we regain strength. Despite the fact that if we're, we're young or we're just barely beginning, the, the Bible says that even young men grow faint and they grow weary, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew strength. And so, <clears throat> if we're weary today, I trust that this message <clears throat> will bless us I want us to turn to Psalm chapter uh, 77. Uh, Psalm chapter 77. <coughs> if you have your Bibles, you can feel free to grab them. <coughs> Alright, brother. See you shortly. Um, uh, let us begin reading the word of God. Um, we're just going to, if you want to have your Bible remain open, um, that would be advisable for the fact that we're going to just be going verse by verse. <clears throat> um, I like this approach. It's, it's referred as expositional for those of you that are any Bible geeks. Um, basically expositional is you're just going uh, verse by verse, and you're exposing what's there in the text, rather than having a topical sermon, where you, you, you're you pre-committed to a topic, you say, I'm going to talk about this, and then I'm going to use supporting verses, um, I like for us to see what's here, because I'm also assuming that not all of us have read every chapter in the Bible, and so you might stumble across a passage that you haven't read before. Um, but in addition to expositional, I, I hope that God will speak to us. And, and I want this to be driven in our minds. <clears throat> everything we do, everything, it has to be done in, in God's, with the inspiration that the Holy Spirit provides. We can do many things for the Lord. Um, we can we can say that we will do things in the name of Christianity, but we can be lacking in His power. That's why <clears throat> there are great um, there are great and sincere-hearted people 
But sometimes what they do, it fall, it falls flat, and and there's no results. There's no fruit <coughs> because it's, they're not relying on the Lord. But anyways, let's get to the text. It says, verse one. <coughs> I cried out to God for my help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. <clears throat> so let's just take that first verse there, and as something as self-explanatory as this verse there are sometimes things that we we overlook but are um, very clear um, that's implied in this in this verse. First of all, he's saying and one of those things is this that he's not crying out to other people. That's what's implied by the statement "I cried to God." He's not crying to human institutions. He's not <clears throat> looking. For, he's not looking for help in any other direction, but he's looking for help from God. This is a very common uh, sentiment. This is a very common expression in the Psalms, especially through the Davidic Psalms and the Davidic prayers. Um, for example, in Psalm um, 121, if I'm not mistaken, I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Right, it, the, the psalmist well understood, and as well as the other uh, apostles and prophets and saints throughout the ages, is that God is our help. The Bible says also in the Psalms that God is an ever-present help in trouble. Right, He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's He's there. He's present, and He wants to aid and He wants to assist. And this is precisely what the psalmist understands: is that God will help and so therefore I will cry unto him and it's not just that he says I petitioned done before the Lord as as good as that might be he says I cried in other words my emotions are involved in whatever it is that I'm seeking help from God for I, I'm not I'm not <clears throat> um, emotionless there's a lot of emotional energy invested in my cry in my prayer um, it doesn't say necessarily that there are tears, because one could cry without tears, uh, not in the not in the literal sense like I cried, but the act of I cried implies a I lifted up my voice and I'm, I'm seeking help from God right now. But I would assume that he is uh, consumed with grief and he's and he's he's consumed with tears, but he's looking to God for help. And this is the beginning of humility, is that we would all recognize that we are in need of help. And that's a difficult for some of us to admit. But it's what God has to get through to us. And you know, there's things that God will allow you to go through that are actually impossible situations. Or they're, um, <clears throat> they're so great of a burden... That because you're stubborn, you would not have cried unto God originally. But since you're, you're stuck in this road, or you're stuck uh, uh, in a fork in a road, or you're stuck with uh, a, an impossibility, or a burdensome um, um, a reality, you then cry unto God. And it's a way that the Lord gets your attention. 
Because some of us are, are too um, confident in, in our Adam, in our, in our natural man. We're too confident in the flesh. And you know, the interesting thing is, sometimes we think that we most readily serve God <coughs> in our strength. When in all actuality, that we would serve God better in our strength <coughs> than we would in our weakness. But many times God will allow us to arrive to a place of weakness that his strength may rest upon us. And it's not pleasant. And it's not preferable to us. It isn't. I would much rather serve the Lord out of... Uh, well, the natural man would much rather serve God out of convenience... And, and strength and, and preference. But that's not how God functions. That's not how he operates. What did he tell Paul? He says, my strength is sufficient for you in weakness. He says, I'm allowing this thorn in your flesh precisely for the fact that you might be given to conceit. That's what he told Paul. He had an abundance of revelations. <clears throat> and those visions and those revelations could have led him to pride. And so as a result, the Lord allowed him to be plagued with a thorn to keep him dependent on the very God he would have been tempted to not acknowledge had the Lord not placed him in his place. Oh, how, how blind we really are. Self-confidence, stubbornness, pride. Some of the men and women that are the least proud are the most prayerful. Not out of an act of routine, not an, out, not at an act of a chore list. Or trying to get God off your back because you know that praying is the right thing to do. But it's coming to Him in genuine desperation and say, here it is, here is I, Lord. Here am I. I'm standing in need again. I'm standing yet again in need and, and in want and I need you. And so what that begins to do is cultivate a heart of, of dependence upon the Lord. And as a result of our dependence upon God and our prayer to God, He then answers, and He answers speedily, and He answers sufficiently. And as He begins to answer and help and aid, what naturally comes as a result of that is a heart of gratitude. And when we're thankful unto the Lord, we're too busy to be proud. We're too busy to be stubborn. And God begins to prove a case to you of His reliability and of His faithfulness and of His trustworthiness. And, 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 and a joy begins to emerge as a result of God continually helping you. And you come to a place to where you don't want to rely on yourself, but rather lean into, unto God. It's a life of faith. It's a life of being led by and sustained by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> when I when I had um, 
when the Lord had spoken to me and I was I was just saved, I was a year saved. I I heard the Lord speak to me and tell me that he wanted to give me a certain job. <clears throat> and so I ended up um applying for that job and it was a, a miracle how I got in. Let me share this quick testimony. So the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to get this job. Okay. And this, this, this is going to tie, this is going to tie into my point here. I was 17 when I got saved, but the job required that I, that I would turn, that I would be in the, it required that I be an adult in order to work. So I was anticipating, I was hoping to get this job once I turned 18, <clears throat> once I did, before I turned 18, the Lord told me, you're going to get this job. I said, okay. And when I did turn 18, I submitted my application. I asked them if they were hiring. They said no. But I continued to walk by faith and not by sight. When I told the, I told the boss, I said, well, I'm interested in work. Um, I'm available at all times. Um, if you guys have openings, contact me. But this job accepts convicts like people who've been to prison and felons and all this stuff so it's not the most preferable job so there's a lot of people that could get in there but what happened was um later that day i had gone to a nearby town i was invited by a friend this shows how god orchestrates everything after the manner of his will <clears throat> i ended up submitting my name in the raffle I won second place out of hundreds, if not up to a thousand people that probably over a thousand people present. I got second place. I won a mem a gym membership. So I uh, had gone and it just so happened that my friend had gone to the same gym. So I had uh, filled that membership out, all this stuff. Check this out. <laughs> this is amazing. I don't know, this was probably about a number of days later after I submitted the application. Probably about five days later. Guess who I see there? The boss at the gym. He walks up to me and says, hey, you ready to start next week? <laughs> it was all Amen. God and he orchestrated it. And I maintained the, the belief in the promise that God had spoken to me and it didn't matter what my eyes had seen but rather what the ears heard in the spirit. <clears throat> and, well, my point in mentioning this is that when I had gone there there, 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 there wasn't anything pleasant awaiting me. Guess what awaited me? Trials. Guess what awaited me? Testing. Guess what awaited me? Bending and breaking and crushing. That's what awaited me. Here I am, a, a young teen, and I'm, I'm surrounded by middle-aged men that are felons and have gone to prison and they're, they're uh, 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 persecuting me uh, and, and picking on me because of my faith. And all there was was talk of sensuality and they bring meth and cocaine and all this, 
nonsense on, on the job and I, I'm vexed in my soul as a Christian and I began to rely on the Lord because it was horrific of my surroundings. I just wanted to go to work and, and do my job. But my point in mentioning this is sometimes you will be placed in a hellhole and the furnace gets turned seven times hotter. But the thing is this, is that God is in the fire. Is that there's a fourth man standing in the fire. And he appears to be as the son of God. As what Nebuchadnezzar said. See the thing is we want to be released out of these trials. We want to be released out of these pressures. We want to avoid. But the Bible says that as you, as you pass through the waters. Not as you go around them. Not as you evade them or go over them. But as you go through these waters. It says it will not harm you. It doesn't mean that it will not induce suffering or bring pain. But the blows that the devil assaults you with in those trials will not be fatal to our faith. And you know what it did? Is it caused me to enter into the school of suffering. And to be educated by pain. And to be educated. What was happening is God was giving me sermons to preach. Not by learning my cute, fancy Greek, but me learning uh, 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 the, the reality of what it means to be a man, of, a man of God and to be bent under suffering and pain. So I can preach out of conviction and live out of conviction and console other those uh, of those going through similar problems. And see, some of us we're praying, "Oh Lord, I want to go to the next level with you. Oh Lord, I want to go into another dimension with you." But you want to get into the mountain. You think he's on Mount Transfiguration. You think he's up there on Mount Zion, but he's right there in the middle of the war in the valley. And he's saying, "Come down." He's in the valley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. Notice how he says, when I was in distress. He, didn't, he doesn't say, I, I backslid. He didn't say, I gave full vent to my feelings on social media. He didn't say he was... Um, <coughs> Drinking his sorrows away. Or smoking his sorrows away. He didn't say I was in distress. And as a result I hot boxed my car. <laughs> I went to a party and it was lit. We played beer pong. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> he says, when I was in distress, and see, here's here's where the religious minds come in. They're like, yeah, but you don't understand, you know, every, you know, we're human. And, and it's like, no. Distress is not an excuse to sin. 
Distress is an excuse to it's a, it's an occasion, it's an opportunity to seek the living God. Amen. It's an opportunity to be delivered by him. It's an opportunity for him to show off his might and power. See, God, see, here's the thing. Um, I was listening to a, a great apostle in the faith, uh, Apostle Joshua Selman. Man, I, I love this man his, and his sermons, very deep and rich. Um, he said this, the Lord spoke to him one time, he said this, he said, son, if you allow men to see me, I will give you whatever you want. If you allow men to see me, I will give you whatever you want. Now, the natural mind doesn't understand that sort of claim. They think, oh, wow, a mansion. Uh, no. When a man is so submitted and intimate with the Lord and will allow all men to see Christ in him, his greatest desires are the desires that God has for his life. So God can entrust a man to say, ask whatever it is that you will. If you keep me first, add anything to that. Because everything and anything that person asks will be honorable to the Lord. Right? <clears throat> I don't know where I was going with that. But I, I believe what I, what I was wanting to say is that in his distress, he sought the Lord. Right? That this man, this psalmist, was seeking him. <clears throat> wasn't seeking his own prowess, wasn't seeking his own satisfaction, wasn't seeking any of that. He was seeking the Lord in him entirely. And distress, it, it's not just, you know, you had an off day. It's excessive um, um, sorrow. It is deep pain or perhaps even anxiety. <clears throat> oh, I know what I was saying is that that... Our distress is an opportunity to seek God, right? And and what, what God had told the Apostle Joshua Selman was that if you allow men to see me, ask whatever it is that you want. And see, here's the thing. The reason why the Lord can say that to a man is because God is after the showcase himself. His might, his power, his glory, Right? He's after to make a name for himself. This is why God hates pride with the passion. He hates ego with the passion. Even more than fornication, more than, um, more than theft, more than uh, 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 brawling. He hates it more than that because you know why? And up, it's a man or a woman that says, I want to replace God. That's what pride is. I want to replace, I want to be God. I will make my name great. <clears throat> See, here's, here's what the devil will do. He will allow you to think that your name is great. He will lift you up to tear you down. So that after he has deflated your ego, he will make you fall so hard that you won't want to get up ever again. 
so you will stay down. To keep you living in humiliation. And humiliation is always... See, see what the, when you swipe the credit card of pride, you will get what you want, but it demands a payment, and that payment is that you be paid in full with humiliation. See, God, He wants to humble us without humiliating us. And He wants to praise us without flattering us. But what the devil will do is he will flatter you and he will butter you up. He will tell you all the right things just so you can get ensnared and entrapped. It's manipulation. It is a tactic of the devil. But sometimes God will look directly to your heart and tell you the hardest things. For self-examination. And like David, we, we need to have his heart says, Lord, examine me. See if there's anything wrong in me. <clears throat> but see, the Lord tells us these things for remedial purposes. It's not to um, beat us over the head, but it's in order to correct us and expose what it is that is preventing us from receiving the best that the Lord has for our lives. He wants us to live blessed. So he says, um, son or daughter, you're looking in the wrong place for a spouse. Or that job ain't for you or you don't belong here. He tell you these things. But he says, I was in distress. I sought the Lord. At night I stretched out my I stretched out untiring hands. So in other words, the time that he should be asleep, he's awake. In other words, he's placing a higher priority on God answering him than his own sleep. This is what the Lord says. He says, you uh, put the Lord in remembrance and give him no rest, neither day nor night. That doesn't mean go without sleep entirely. But what it means is this, is sometimes if you want an answer from God, he's going to have to disrupt your schedule. If you want an answer from God, he's going to have to disrupt your schedule and you're going to have to prioritize him. See, this is why some of you are going to get tripped up. You're like, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I got to drive somewhere this morning and so I can't attend Bible study. Well, sometimes that's a setup from the Lord to test your heart. And, and sometimes you'll rob yourself of what God wants to say to you. Because you've rationalized yourself out of seeking Him or hearing from Him. Says, when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. In other words, this was an old way of, of this is what the Bible says, that lift up holy hands, right? In other words, it was a way that, it was an indication, a gesture that, that implied, Lord, I, I, I'm willing to receive from you. So, as he's praying, he's anticipating, he's expecting something from God. But he says that he says 
also, and I would not be comforted. You know, there's many times as you come to the Lord, you will find a distress. Sometimes you will find that you refuse to be comforted. God tries to position you and place it. So sometimes it's not that the Lord isn't doing his part, but it's that your heart is closed off to him. Or sometimes you buy into the lie of the devil that all that God wants to do is harm and hurt and and so you close your heart and you may even be going through the religious activity of seeking him and fasting and, and all these other things. But there there's a lot of shells to your heart. There's many layers like an onion. And God begins to have to peel and peel and peel. You know what I've learned? Why people get so... People don't necessarily backslide. They keep serving as Christians. But they wonder why... They wonder why they have lost the sensitivity that they used to have. It's normally because what happens is as you buy into the lie of the enemy and you, you fall into his trap to sin, you although you ask God for forgiveness and he forgives you, you are so in a hurry to move forward and to get out of his presence that you don't go through the necessary developmental process of him healing everything in your heart. Though you are forgiven by him, though you are cleared by him, there is still a lot of emotional baggage that your sin has uh, has has brought into your heart that you still need healing from but you just want to get out you just want to go you just want to ignore because it's too much of a pain to come to the Lord with those heartaches and with those traumas or with those recent sins so that 10 years down the line 5 years down the line your heart isn't as sensitive as it used to be and it's because there's a lot of callous a lot of onion layers that have been built up through uh, that emotional layering and so by the time God wants to get through to you it's more difficult than it was say a year ago or 2 years ago Because there's a lot of things in our hearts that are sometimes too scary for us to want to address. And see, this is why a lot of times you see pastors, they they fall. You know why? Because they got so busy that it was too much of a burden for them to address emotional pains. And for the sake of working, they went ahead anyways without being healed. It's kind of like if you just bless yourself with marriage. And God said no precisely for the reason because you're not emotionally mature. But you just want to go ahead and get ahead of God. And what happens is you... See, what the Lord wants you to do is He wants you to marry at a clean slate. In fact, he wants to marry, and by the time by the time you marry, you have so much uh, uh, um, 
wealth. Now, I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about emotional wealth, blessings. Uh, by the time you say that, I do. But when you do it your way, you're already working at a deficit. You're in debt by the time you say, I do. Because here's the thing, everything that we do that isn't in the name of the Lord, and isn't from Him, and isn't prompted by Him, leads you in some form of debt one way or another. Do you realize that? You're in emotional debt, relational debt, sociological debt, psychological debt. You always end up getting the short stick. You always end up getting robbed somehow. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord, he adds no sorrow to it. It's kind of like, you know, sisters mentioning thorns. It's kind of like in the Old Testament when the Lord said, drive out these nations. And they refused to. And you know what happened? Those nations, those self-same nations that they refused to drive out became the very thorns that prodded them continually. And they could not drive them out afterward. Do you see? That's why some of you are living with frustrations. Some of you are living with things that you feel like you can't conquer. It's because those nations you did not drive out. And now they're thorns in your side. Thorns. <clears throat> but he says, I would not be comforted. And he says, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. Isn't that interesting? He's not having a good time here. He's thinking of the Lord and he groans. Uh, I meditated and my spirit grew faint. And here's why I believe he's groaning. As you continue on, he says, You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. You know what? And he says, verse 6, I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. My spirit asked. So what's going on here is I believe the reason for his groaning is he's thinking about the former times when the days used to be glorious. And he's thinking about his current days and he's grown. He's saying, no, it's not like how it used to be. And when I say how it used to be, I'm not talking about your former life of sin. That is something you ought not to be meditating on. Right? All the parties you used to go to. All the men or women you used to get. All those things. The, the devil wants to bring you down memory lane. And he loves to preach. Well you used to. Maybe if you're confronted by someone at the job. Or confronted by some stranger. Um, you know. And, and they, they were testing you. And 
The devil immediately begins to preach to your mind and say, well, you, used, you, you weren't a punk before, or why don't you just handle that? You wouldn't have taken that, you know, years ago. You're looking embarrassing. You sure you can handle that? But this isn't the sort of thing that he's remembering. He says he remembers his song in the night. And songs, as you look in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7, you don't have to turn there. Moses has a song. And in his song, he says this, Remember the days of old. And he says to consider the generations long past. And so these songs, they they typically recounted the deeds of God and began to praise Him for His wondrous works. So I'm imagining that he is thinking about his song, the song that recounts all that God has done previously, and he's not seeing that in his life right now. All he is seeing is distress. And so as a result of that, he begins to groan. He begins to grow faint. He begins to wonder, will anything ever change? How long will it be like this? Has God deserted me? And this is what he begins to ask in verse 7. He says, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? So you can already you can already see and infer from that that what's happening is in his emotional life, in in, in uh during his distress, his feelings are beginning to make him reason God has rejected. God isn't showing his favor. In fact, he's not showing his favor right now. And and perhaps he may not show his favor ever again. Has his unfailing love vanished forever, he says in the 8th verse. So in other words, we feel an absence of God's love. Has his promise failed for all time? We're not seeing the fulfillment of God's promises. All I'm seeing is distress and trouble, an absence of God's favor. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in anger withheld His compassion? So these are things that He's feeling, but they are also on the flip side. They're nonetheless, they're rhetorical questions. And the obvious answer to these questions are no. God has not ceased in being graceful. God has not ceased in being merciful. No, God has not withdrawn entirely His compassion, His unfailing love, and His blessings, and His favor. Amen. So, so even though you are going through distress, even though there are a lot of things in your life that are not reflective of what you would want to see or what you remember God did a year ago or all that God has done for you previously. It is not, uh, uh, no, it's not uh, negating the fact, it's not destroying the fact that God still has favor upon you. Will the Lord reject forever? Will He never show His favor again? Oh Lord, I remember you used to show your favor. I remember the days 
This is probably what you're thinking. I remember the days I was living obediently. I remember the days it was a joy to enter into your presence. I remember the days that it was just a delight. And you were blessing me with so many things. You had blessed me with this job, with this car, and this, and this, and that, or whatever your mind can reason. And now all you see is devastation. All you see is turmoil and trouble. Somewhere along the road, you have gotten off course. And you're tasting the humiliating fruit of your choices. But even in that time, he says, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? I read in the Psalms it says, Blessed be God, he says, for his mercy endures forever. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, it says, The Lord's mercies are renewed every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Because of your compassions, we are consumed not. It's discipline. It's not his fierce anger. It is his discipline. But it serves a purpose. Then he says in verse 10, Then I thought... To this I will appeal the years of the most high when the most high stretched out his right hand. And so in other words he's saying this is what I will appeal to. I'm not seeing his favor, I'm not seeing his blessings, I'm not seeing his mercy, I'm not seeing him present with me. But what I will do is this. I will begin to think about the years that the most high stretched out his hand, his hand of power. Right, And then he begins to explain what exactly that is. He says, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as, a God, as our God. You are the God who performs uh, miracles. You display your power among the peoples. And he explains explicitly what he's meditating about, what that mighty act is, what those great deeds are. And he says in verse 15, with your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and wreathed. The very deeps were convulsed. So in other words, he's remembering from the scriptures when the time that God had caused the waters to part and he redeemed his people through that, through, uh, uh, from the land of Egypt and brought them in to a country they had not known. And so he's beginning to appeal to the things that God had done formerly in order to believe uh, in the faithfulness and the, the mercy and the power of God for his own life in the present time. So despite, despite whatever it is that you're going through, 
remember that there was a that that God had brought a million people from the hand of a man named Pharaoh who oppressed them. In fact, recall those earlier days when the Lord had redeemed you and broke the hand of Pharaoh off of your life. Recount his deeds. Recount his mighty works and his mighty performances on your behalf. I love the intercessory uh, prayer of Moses when the Lord, when Moses began to come before the Lord, and the Lord said, "Leave me alone with these people, for my anger wants to 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 pour out wrath upon them." And Moses says, "You know what? No, Lord, no! Blot out my name from the book." Uh, just don't destroy your people. He said, why should the nation say that the Lord brought them out of, of, of Egypt into this land just to destroy them? And then the Lord relents and he has mercy upon his people. And so that is all to say this, is that God does not bring us this far just to leave us to be stranded and to die in a wilderness. If not for your sake, for the sake of his own name, lest the nation say God was unable to bring his people from that land of slavery and successfully get them to where they need to be and to where he has called them. God could not have even destroyed the works of the devil and helped to aid his people to get them to where they want to go. God forbid, may the, the church sing triumphantly the song of praise that God is able to take what was lowly and despised and have no strength, have no power, and bring them successfully into the land of promise. Hallelujah. Through His mighty working power, through His delivering power, through His love and His undying mercy and compassion. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> but he says, The water saw you, God. The water saw you and were wreathed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is all just alluding. This is all just referring to the Exodus. When God delivered his people. So in other words, our current distress, as horrible or as, as terrible as it is, Remember that God has 
been there for his people in far worse of times. And God, God successfully carries his people. God is a mighty deliverer. God is a God who performs mighty deeds. And this is what leads us to the confidence that we can seek Him in times of distress, that we can seek Him in times of, of pain, that we can seek Him in times of confusion, is that God has delivered before. And so there is therefore no reason that we ought to believe that God will not deliver again, that God will not spare again, that God will not perform great deeds on our behalf again. I, lo- I love this song. Hopefully we could, someone uh, could volunteer to sing it one day who has that singing gift. It won't always be like this. Lord will perfect that concern in me. Sooner or later, turn in my favor. We won't always have to travel through this wilderness. You won't always have to go through the trials that you're going through right now. But you know what? I will tell you this, that it will be much longer than it should be if you don't learn, if you're not educated by them. If you're not educated by them. Some of your wills, they're turning and they and you're not getting anywhere. And you keep running into the same wall. There's a reason for that. God wants you to learn something. But you're trying to get out of it or avoid it without learning what he wants you to learn. No more doing things your way. We have to do it the Lord's way. You see, you know where God wanted to bring them? As a land with an abundance of clustered grapes, milk and honey and fruitful land. Right? Where they have not sown, they would reap. In other words, they God wanted to provide them what was little effort to them. And that's how you know God's blessing is on your life, is things just fall into place effortlessly. But when you begin to take matters in your own hand, God presses His hand against you, and that's why it becomes so difficult. You're trying to force something that isn't His. 
because he loves you too much to allow you to get something by your own strength that will end up destroying you. God, I should have my own house by now. Or, oh, God, I should have this by now. But he's sparing you from you. Because what that will do is draw things out of your heart that will come as a surprise to you. And and he's saying, you're not ready. He wants to go in and sanctify our hearts. He wants to go in and, and modify things within us. Amen? I hope some of us are just on our faces weeping. It's either either that we're weeping in conviction or I'm preaching to some Mormons again. Uh, one of the two. <laughs> uh, you have a, a, a question, sis? I see uh, your Simpson hand. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hold on. God has great things in store for all of you. The Psalms, they're written by different authors. The majority are by David, or some by Moses, some by the sons of Korah, some by Asaph. Um, But yeah, the majority are written by David. But the Lord has wonderful things in store for you. I remember it was A.W. Tozer who said that I fear not when I go, he says, when I go to the judgment seat, I don't necessarily fear the things that I have done. He says, I fear the things that I have not done that was in me. I forgot who it was said, who said, he says, the richest place is the graveyard. Because there was so much untapped potential that died with the men who never lived after what God had predestined them to do. didn't live after the manner of which God had predestined you to do. And I don't know about you, but there's there's a lot of things that I look at in my life and I said, man, I wish I wouldn't have taken that road, that turn in the road there. I wish I would have just had waited on God a little bit more. I wish that I would have just invested more into my relationship with God when times were easier or w- whatever. And, 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 and we can look back and we can think. And so allow those things to be a learning lesson to say, you know what? I'm not going to repeat those same mistakes by the grace of God and by the mercy of God and by His power. May the Lord help me to be greater of a Christian than I was before. 
Not out of condemnation. Not out of to earn his favor. Not so you can be on God's favorite list or anything like that. But because you want his full blessings. You want the most for which God has predestined you for. Yes, the what ifs. I love that song by Fred Hammond. God will do what he said he will do. He will stand by his word. He will come through. So God is not God is not lacking in his willingness. But are we lacking in our willingness? I don't want us to go through this stress or this anxiety or this distress because we failed to wait on God, because we failed to trust in the Lord. Because we failed to obey Him. And while God can redeem and God can make, um, God can restore the fortunes that the enemy has ruined. But let me just say this like Paul says in Romans, the time is far spent. Your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. You don't have, I don't have. Any more time to waste. God can pull you up out of this mess. God can pull you out of this mess, my brothers and sisters. Do not grow weary. Do not grow faint at heart. You might have made some wrong turns. In fact, you what might be happening even for some of you is you're, 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 you're facing consequences from your former life even before you were a Christian. And so, so uh, th- there are things that God has already forgiven you for, but you're facing some form of consequences one way or the other. But God wants to display His might. God wants to display His power. God wants to be able to show off His great name on your behalf so that at the end of the road, five years down the line or ten years down the line, you can look back and you can sing unto Him a new song and sing unto Him and say, The Lord has done great things for us. Hallelujah. Forget the freaking devil. He wants to act like he can do great things for us, but always comes at the price of our sorrow. He wants to give us a little superficial, elated, fake, uh, 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 disingenuous, uh, superficial happiness so he can bring us down to ruins. But God wants us to endure sorrow for a night that joy may come in the morning. Amen. <laughs> you know, there's a song, God's got a blessing, God's got a blessing with my name on it, 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 with my name on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> God's got a blessing <laughs> with your name on it. <laughs> and he doesn't add sorrow to it. But will you wait? Will you endure the distress? Will you endure the momentary sorrow? The momentary sacrifice as you come to Him and you say, Lord, I remember the things you've done of old. I remember what you've done in the life of Moses, in the life of Paul, in the life of David. You were with them wherever they were. You grant them success by their hands. And Lord, I'm currently facing distress, maybe because of things that I've done in the past as a Christian, or maybe things that I've done in the past as a non-Christian. But I believe, Lord, that you're able to see me through. And I know, O God, that you want better for my life. You want greater for my life. And you want to use me. You want me to walk in purpose. You want me to walk in the anointing. You want me to walk in meaning. So I'm going to endure. And I know you will keep me. I know you haven't taken me this far just to abandon me, to leave me. To cast me aside. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Whereas the devil just wants to use, sap you up and, 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 and sap up all your strength and all your worth and spit you out. God bless you, sister. He just wants to spit us out and dispose of us. <laughs> so as we come to a close, <clears throat> the Lord has not forgotten to be merciful. His, His promise has not failed forevermore. His favor is a lifetime, the Bible says in Psalms. It lasts for a lifetime. But his anger is just for a moment. May we live lives that are pleasing unto the Lord. Suffering is promised. <clears throat> but unnecessary suffering isn't promised. That's for you to decide. Suffering in some shape or form is promised. But unnecessary suffering, that's not promised. That's up to you to decide whether or not you want to unnecessarily suffer. And that comes when we say yes to ourselves and no to the Lord. But even in those times, God waits. And he says, I'm still willing to help. I'm still willing to restore. I'm still willing 
to make your life better. <clears throat> so let us uh, let us close in prayer. <clears throat> 